0: Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we talked to listener Sam Clark, who's been to Disney twice since it's reopened. He's got nine great tips to share with us if you're planning to go to Disney World anytime soon that you really don't want to miss. Final episode of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like bonus content, like an extra episode we recorded with Sam, you can check us out on Patreon.com/DisneyDecipher. Also, if you're looking to plan a Disney vacation, you can email me, Joseph Chung, at travelmission.net, and I can be your travel agent and do all the hard work for you at no cost to you. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDecipher@gmail.com, at gmail.com, at www.Deciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Decipher. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As The Joe Flies, and Leslie is taking a much-needed Thanksgiving break. But I am here with one of our listeners, Sam Clark. He was in Disney World both in the summer and also more recently in October. So he's got a lot of great tips to share if you're going to the parks right now. So that's what we're going to do today, talk about nine tips that Sam has for you. But let's start by saying, welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and it's uh, great to have you here.
1: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. We did, uh, as you mentioned, take a a trip in July, and that was at the end of July, right after things opened. And then we followed that up with a trip we had in October that was planned a a year out, ended up deciding to go ahead and go with it. Going into it, we were a little bit nervous uh, that things would be a lot different than they were in July. And while things were a little bit different, you know, I think as we're going to talk about here, there's several tips that we did and went through that kind of helped make the trip pretty smooth overall.
0: Yeah. So let's just start by just tell us a little bit about you, your family, who'd you travel with? Where'd you travel from? Just give us some of the basics of the trip before we get into the, you know, details of these great tips that you have for us today.
1: Sure. We're a family of four, my wife and I, and then we have two kids, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, so we've got some some young kids with us, and we traveled down from Indiana. We had originally planned to fly both times, but decided we weren't comfortable doing that in July. Um, and so we made the, the road trip down and it went surprisingly well. And so when our trip in October came around, we decided to just stick with that and uh, made the same trip down, stopped at the same places uh, for bathroom breaks along the way, just really didn't want to change anything up. And it, it worked out well. In addition to our Um, immediate family my parents
0: joined us for part of our trip uh, and so they met us down there as well my midwestern geography is terrible so how long is that drive from indiana down to florida yeah so from where
1: we're at right in uh, central indiana it's about 15 hours and so we broke that up into two days basically nine hours uh one day and then uh six hours the next And
0: where, what state did you choose to stay in? Did you stay in the same place both times on the way down?
1: Uh, No, on the way down. So we wanted to, uh, we kind of had timed things up so that we could leave and miss all the major metropolitan cities during rush hour and and such. So we had timed it so we could get through Nashville before rush hour, and then also wanted to get through Atlanta after rush hour so that we didn't have to deal with Atlanta in the morning. So we stayed south of Atlanta on the way down. Uh, And then on the way back up, likewise, we wanted to also get through Atlanta at night uh, before we stopped. So then we stayed in, chattanooga
0: on the way back awesome so you know we are mostly going to talk about your october trip since that is much more relevant to what things are like right now but still you know i'm so jealous of what things were like for you in july and i know we didn't like plan to talk about this but can you just tell us a little bit like what did it feel like to be in disney world with what probably felt like practically nobody
1: yeah, it was a little bit surreal. It did feel like practically nobody. You know, we spent uh, time in three of the parks that time. We didn't uh, venture to Animal Kingdom that trip. But yeah, really, just all the days we were there, you know, unlike, you know, now in October, it didn't matter what day of the week you were there. There was just very little people. You could walk, you know, several hundred feet without seeing anyone. Uh, you know, I know there one time when we went over to Tomorrowland at a rope drop on on one day in Magic Kingdom, um, we were the first people in there, and uh, we spent probably 10 minutes with the, one of the photo pass photographers taking pictures. And by the time we'd done the 10 minutes of pictures and and walked over uh, into the, the actual Tomorrowland, still we hadn't seen another person uh, in sight. So it was just just kind of crazy like that uh, wherever you went. And then obviously many of the rides were you know, super short waits. It's not high priority on most people's list, but for our kids, they love the Barnstormer, and so. We, uh, we rode that uh, three three times without ever having to get off so just kind of crazy things like that that's amazing
0: is your two-year-old tall enough for that
1: he's just tall enough yeah so they double checked him both times but he, he had his tall shoes on so we, we we made it by
0: nice nice big big hack right there <laughs> yeah um, so your trip in October you were there for a couple weeks if I'm not mistaken it was a DVC rental which I think is part of why you end up sticking with it.
1: Yeah, so we had a, a DVC rental at, at Boardwalk Villas. So as I mentioned, we were there with my parents for part of that time, and so we had some of you might be familiar with the the uh, boardwalk List. So they have standard rooms, which are some of the lower point values, and so those are really hard to get. And so we would booked those eleven months in advance, obviously pre-pandemic and and uh, not knowing what would what would be to come. And so we were simpler fairly... times when you look <laughs> <booked> that. <laughs> yeah, much simpler. Sure, we were. So we were fairly locked into that. There might have been a chance we could get out of it uh, with some money lost, but uh, with having that kind of already uh, done, and then also we had another unfortunate timing thing started our uh, AP last October. And so they were going to expire as well uh, this October. And so the, the ticket cost was uh, kind of already built in, so to speak. Uh, so that was another reason why we continued to go when we did. But yeah,
0: so we we stayed there and we were in the villas there for nine nights. That's awesome. And the clown pool, is it as disturbing as it looks to me on the outside? Or is it fine when you're actually in there? Or did you not go to the pool?
1: It is slightly disturbing, but we had the uh, fortune of it being under construction right now. So it was uh, completely covered up when we were there in October. You know, I think there's some rumors that they're planning to do something uh, about the way it looks. I, you know, I don't know. I did try to climb a construction fence a little bit and peek behind it to see what was going on, but wasn't able to see for sure if they were actually going to remove that face or what they're doing with it. Ugh, the face gives me chills, but you know, <laughs> some people like it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think our kids are young enough that at least when we were there in July, it didn't, it didn't bother them too
0: much. Awesome. All right, so let's get into these tips because they are great. Now, again, you were there for like nine days and you have an annual pass. So there are some things that like having an annual pass, even before the pandemic, it always has allowed those of us who have annual passes to, you know, take your time and not feel as much stress. But you know, these tips should be universal, regardless of whether you have an annual pass or whether you're just planning a trip. So we have nine of these, and we'll try to get through these as fast as possible. But trust me, everyone, it's a uh, great stuff here. So why don't you kick us off? What is uh, your number one tip?
1: So I think the first thing that I'd like to tell people is to really kind of Know and assess your risk tolerance and then kind of plan accordingly. I think, you know, all of us have different sort of risk tolerances when it comes to to COVID and the virus and, you know, what we feel is best for our families. And so we kind of looked at that and did a little uh, introspective thinking. And so I think kind of the biggest example of this for us is uh, indoor dining. So for us, we don't feel like it's it's worth the risk to dine indoors here at home. And so we felt like, okay, if we're going on vacation, let's not cause any extra stress by by changing any of that. And so we we did some quite a bit of extra planning actually to find out where the best places for us to eat would be outdoors on the various days of our, our trips. And then we we took advantage of that outdoor dining. And so, you know, if that's something that you feel like your family wants to take advantage of, you know, I'd, I'd encourage you to do that research ahead of time, researching the, the various quick service restaurants that have outdoor dining, what table service restaurants have outdoor dining. And then really one of the things that we really took advantage of was the, you know, it's relatively new now, the uh, new table service to go. We generally like in a, in, you know, normal and simpler times to eat at a table service restaurant at least once a day. And so we wanted to, felt like we could uh, try to keep that, uh, you know, sort of theme alive for this vacation by getting to go from the table service restaurants, you know, for some of our meals.
0: Yeah, so you had a great picture that you share with me about a table service restaurant that uh, you took to go and you ate outside. Uh, Do you want to share with us? I agree. There's too much to go into here and you kind of got to do your own research for what you like. But Sam, you know, why don't you give us this one recommendation of uh, this great table service to go experience that you had?
1: Yeah, so sure. I I think definitely if someone's looking at table service to go, uh, one of the places that's really great, especially for dinner is the Wave. And so they've got that new option now. And so it allows you to to order it on the app and you're ordering straight from the same menu as all the people they're eating inside. And while they don't have you know, outdoor seating attached necessarily to the wave. There is plenty of outdoor seating right outside the doors at the Contemporary there, and so we'd kind of done some reconnaissance ahead of time, so to speak, and found that uh, there'd be some nice tables there, especially if you're eating in the evening time. That whole side of the building is shaded, so everything's completely shaded, even if the table's not under an umbrella, so to speak. And so we were able to pick a, a nice table down by the uh, waterfront and the docks there at the Contemporary. Placed our order to go, and it was ready within 20 minutes. Went inside, grabbed it, took it outside, and we had a you know a whole whole area to ourselves with no one
0: around us and a nice dinner. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, And that was a great picture. All right. So let's move to the second tip. What do you have for us next?
1: I think the second thing is to take advantage of walking whenever you're able. So one of the reasons we decided to stay at the boardwalk uh, was because it allowed for walking to two separate parts there with Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And we just felt like that gives you a lot of control over uh, over things. You're not having to rely on Disney transportation um, or anything like that. And it also allows you when you're able to walk, to be at the front of the line for rope drop, which we'll get into here, is another tip. We rope drop most of the days that we were there. And so that allows you to, you know, bypass any weight you would have if you were driving through the, the parking turnstiles and also bypass any weight you'd have if you're riding the skyline or the buses, which don't always start as soon as they do as if someone was able to just walk themselves. And the other thing too, it, it allows you to, especially at Epcot and Hollywood Studios when you're staying on those Crescent Lake resorts is to, you know, easily take a midday break and, and walk back and, and not feel like you lost too much time in that sense.
0: You were there both in July and in October. Obviously, July is like a lot hotter. Does that generally change your mentality about walking or, you know, you kind of just tough it out?
1: Yeah, I guess maybe in, in normal times it would, but you know, when we were there, we, yeah, we just, we just toughed it out. We felt like it was a lot easier to, to walk. And honestly, you know, I guess the extra 10 or 15 minutes it takes to walk when you're going to be walking all around the parks all day, you know, in your mask, it's at the end of the day, the extra 10 minutes didn't
0: add too much. That's a good point. At that point, you're already drenched. So uh, right, it doesn't matter. You know, this is a good place to mention that, you know, this week, as Sam and I are recording, they just opened up that new Grand Floridian walkway. And the Grand Floridian has never been a resort that I've been super interested in staying at. But now that you can walk to the Magic Kingdom, I feel like that has kind of changed things like you're not kind of wed to using the monorail to get to the Magic Kingdom. So I don't know if you checked out those pictures. But you know, having that walkway looks great at the Grand Flow.
1: Yeah, I did see some of those pictures. I think that that will be great. It also, you know, like uh, like the contemporary, even if you're not staying there, if you uh, have dinner or breakfast or something like that there, it offers you the opportunity to you know sneak over to one of the parks using the walkway, which which can be advantageous as
0: well. That's a great segue because your next tip is about rope dropping. So why don't you tell us why you disagree with Leslie and me that rope <laughs> dropping is still quite important uh, these days, which is fine. We, we love the second opinions.
1: Yeah, well, I I think in July, you're you're spot on. And it didn't matter when you showed up at the park, it was going to be rather empty. But now as crowds have increased since Labor Day, and I know even as in the last uh, few weeks here, as Disney's come out and said that, uh, you know, they've increased capacity even more moving into the holidays, uh, I do think rope dropping is still key, just because... You can get so much done during that first hour that the park is open. And more importantly, actually, really, in my opinion, is the uh, sort of unofficial time before the park opens, because depending on the day, when we were there, parks were opening anywhere unofficially from, you know, half hour to 45 minutes ahead of time from the official open. And once you uh, got through temperature check and uh, security, generally not all the rides, but uh, many of the rides were operating in open. So that really gives you a head start on all the other people when you're able to get two, three, sometimes even four, depending on which rides you're doing done, you know, before the official park open. Yeah, I guess the other thing to go along with that is I would recommend, and this is what we did when we were there. If you don't use the touring plans chat feature, that's that's at least what we used as one of the kind of ways to keep up to date, really in real time, knowing from people that have been there uh, in the last few days what rides actually are opening early, because that's good to keep in mind. I know that uh, we had. Uh, considered rope dropping and and trying to hit up Splash Mountain right away, but found out through the chat that that wasn't opening until the official open at nine. And so people that were going there were were stuck waiting in line. Whereas if you hit Seven Doors or Peter Pan or Big Thunder, even all those rides were opening 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time. So it's really key to to keep up on that and then also kind of get real time up to date, I guess, firsthand knowledge from people on on what's opening and, and, and not opening.
0: Yeah. And Touring Plans chat is on their app, but I think if I'm not mistaken, you still have to be a subscriber to do that. But I think we've talked before that at this point for like $15 a year, I feel like Touring Plans generally pays for itself.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's even frequently uh, discount codes or something like that. I think that sometimes people use or I think I saw mention of a Groupon once where you can get it less than that. But like you said, for $15, if, if it allows you to ride a couple extra rides and, and that's all you use it for, yeah, I think it'll be well worth it. Definitely. So...
0: Walking to Rope Drop, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios, I feel like I've seen like lines for cars getting in the parking lot. Obviously, buses and the Skyliner, there have been huge lines and stuff like that. Can you give us a sense? You know, I know people have still been lining up even when they walk to these parks, but can you give us a sense of just kind of how crowded it is when you line up to Rope Drop from walking, like to Epcot or Hollywood Studios?
1: Yeah. So when we were there, Hollywood Studios was opening up at 10 a.m., like it is most days now. And so we left our hotel about eight or 8.15, somewhere in that time frame which is obviously rather early compared to the, the 10 a.m when it actually opens but that was knowing that uh, at the time again the, going back to you know checking on the chat and what other people were reporting that it would most likely open up around nine o'clock so we were we're heading out about an hour to 45 minutes ahead of time so by the time we got there, you know, shortly before 830, I'd say there was probably 40 people already in line uh, lined up at Hollywood Studios. And by the time nine o'clock rolled around, uh, when they actually started going through the process of temperature checked, I, you know, there was in the hundreds of people there already lined up. And all those people had been there from walking the hundreds that were there, because then after that, they started merging in with the Skyliner and, and the uh, people that had driven in. For Epcot, obviously, it wasn't quite that dramatic uh, with the number of people, but I would say still getting there. Oh, 45 minutes ahead of time from the official park open, so to speak, Uh, or even actually we were probably there even an hour before that. Uh, You still had a line of, oh, you know, maybe 30 or 40 people, but it certainly it didn't grow as fast. And, you know, I I think both days we were there for we went two days for Epcot at Rope Drop, walked over and there was there was probably no more than 50 people there, but still a, a decent amount.
0: I wonder if Hollywood Studios rope drop lines are going to get a little bit shorter now that they've changed the Rise of the Resistance boarding group. You know, in October, you could, you still had to be in the park to get it, but you know, now you can get it from your hotel room at 7 a.m. So, yeah, I suspect that'll be the case. It'll take a couple months for people to figure that out. But I think, you know, eventually it won't be uh, as crazy. Uh, speaking of mul- multiple parks, your next tip is to schedule multiple park days for your favorite parks if possible. So tell us why it's beneficial to, you know, hit the same park more than once, even in these uh, COVID times.
1: Yeah, I think for us it was beneficial just cuz it provided less stress. And so if if you've got a trip that's that's more than 4 days and able to go to multiple parks on multiple days, I think it's beneficial. You know just for example, we we went to the Magic Kingdom several times and when you're there Obviously, we, like many others, we're trying to avoid, you know, long lines and crowds. And so if there's a certain ride that you're, you know, dead set on going on and it's starting to get backed up or it's crowded, uh, you know, or maybe it's down or something like that, uh, that's causing a big line. I, I just think it provides uh, less stress when you know that, okay, hey, I'll, I can come back tomorrow or a couple of days into my trip, whenever my next scheduled day is here and hit it then. So for us, it just provided a, another way to
0: kind of have a more easygoing and, uh, you know, less stressful feel about it. Did you do any like same day park pass reservation changes? Like you woke up in the morning and you know had Magic Kingdom booked or something, but then decided you want to go somewhere else?
1: Uh, we didn't. The closest thing we came to doing was we had a second Hollywood Studios days booked, um, but after the first day, we we kind of hit most of the things we wanted to do. We were fortunate to get a Rise of the Resistance uh, boarding group, and, and at that time, like you said, they ha- they didn't have the uh, yeah, uh, you know get it from your hotel room at 7 a.m so it was really crazy at, at rope drop and in the mornings with with really long waits and we just felt like you know with no park hopping which is coming back soon but not, but not then that you know it was going to be a waste of a kind of a waste of another day if we were going to go back there and so we we made a change at, i think it was a day ahead of time or something like that and we switched switched some parks around to to go somewhere else there instead is the two-year-old uh big enough for rise of the resistance no, he was not. So that that was a, another one of the days where it was it was really beneficial that we were walking because we had a, our boarding group was for about noon. And so we were able to walk. Uh, obviously, we walked there in the morning, did a couple rides. Um, you know, things got pretty crowded. And uh, grandma and the two year old, actually, all of us went back for lunch in the room, waited there for 45 minutes while we ate and then still walked back uh, for our noon boarding group, which, you know, if we were driving or had to use Disney transportation, certainly wouldn't be able to do all that.
0: So it was another reason why it really worked out well. Definitely. So, you know, speaking of crowds, tell us about your next tip.
1: Yeah. So the next tip, I I think if you can uh, massage or finagle your dates a little bit uh, and trade any weekend days that you have for a weekday instead, uh, it's going to be well worth it. I think it's been, you know, somewhat well reported, but I would just echo that the touring we got done on Monday through Thursday days, and it it didn't matter the park, were just far superior than anything that uh, we saw on a weekend as far as crowds, wait times, all the above.
0: All right. So, your next tip is about the cleaning cycle. So why don't you tell us the tip and then I've got a follow-up question for you.
1: Sure. So uh, i th- say so the biggest thing that we had was to kind of keep in the back of your mind the, the two-hour or approximate two-hour cleaning cycle that the rides run on. And so, you know, one thing that we thought of was okay. Let's let's try not to hit rides like Small World, Spaceship Earth. Those rides that are really long are gonna have really long cleaning cycles that you can potentially get the line pretty backed up. And instead, if it's you know coming up towards a cleaning cycle to to hit something like Dumbo or or one of the shorter rides where the cleaning isn't you know, I guess it's just as intense, but it doesn't take quite as long because the ride you know itself isn't as long.
0: Yeah. So do you have any tips for like timing the cleaning cycles? Is this something like if via, for example, the touring plans chat, you know that Splash Mountain opened at 10 o'clock on the dot, then you just kind of mentally map out two hours from then plus 20 minutes like, at a time? Or like, you know, how did you kind of get a feel for avoiding these cleaning cycles? Or did you find that you had any success like kind of timing them?
1: Yeah, so I think you're, you're right on there in that if you know what time the park opened um, and you know, okay, this was one of the rides that a secondary ride, not a headliner that opened at park open, then you can kind of figure two hours, you know, every two hours after that is about when it's when it's going to hit its cleaning cycle versus, you know, a ride that on a 9 a.m. Magic Kingdom open um, actually started running at 830. Then you can figure, okay, it, you got to go two hours from that. And it was a combination of, you know, I, I guess it was more of just kind of an epiphany we had is that we kind of hit some cleaning cycles. And then you would look back and like, oh, OK, well, we're, you know, we're two hours. We're in that two hour cycle that and then um, just talking with a couple cast members. I know, for example, uh, we had talked with a cast member at Frozen Ever After and it said, oh, yeah, you know, it gets cleaned at, at one and three. And it's, OK, well, you know, it's it was opening uh, up at 11. So that makes sense that they're they're cleaning around one, around three, you know, around that two
0: hours. How, what's the closest you were to the front of the line when you hit a cleaning cycle? Like what's the most frustrating, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like when you get to the front of the line and they don't let you through into the Honda Mansion stretching room, you know, <laughs> what's the closest you got? So I think the closest we were at it was Toy Story Mania and we were right by where you have to
1: pick up the glasses there. And so, um, it was close enough that. And I didn't mind it too much in the sense that um, by the time we got up to the ride vehicles, we got a brand spanking new, fresh, clean vehicle. And so I think while a lot of the evidence says that it doesn't spread as much uh, via via touch points, I guess it was somewhat reassuring to know that all the levers we were pulling on were nicely fresh and clean.
0: So you didn't have to uh, wipe them down yourself. That's right. You can still get other illnesses besides COVID, you know, via those touch points. So, you know, (laughs) good point. Never a bad thing, never a bad thing. All right, so what do you got next for us?
1: Oh, I think the next thing uh, to do is to familiar, familiarize yourself with the new security procedures entering the park, um, especially if you're rope dropping. And I think uh, as of we're recording this now, um, all of the parks now have the new uh, intelligence scanners where you just walk right through them, keeping your bags on. There's generally a a guy with a megaphone there telling you all this, but if you kind of have it in your head ahead of time, you can kind of prepare yourself, but they'll tell you to take out all the large metal items in your backpack. So that's your your battery packs, your umbrellas, uh, your metal water bottles, aerosol cans. Um, all those things, and so then you'll uh, hold those things out in front of you, and then walk, just walk through the the uh, uh, metal detector. I guess at rope drop, you know, especially uh, at Hollywood Studios where things are a little more crowded, if you kind of have yourself organized and are able to walk right through that without forgetting something in your bag and having to get pulled aside, it can really save you some extra time to help you to get to the front of those lines and maybe get you know one more ride ahead of time done uh, before actual official park opening starts
0: strollers are still to the side as normal now. In the past, going through like the regular security or the old security, I guess, you know, I would always have to take all the junk out of the bottom of the stroller, like if there was a bag or other stuff. Is it the same thing? Like the stroller gets pushed to the side, but you kind of have to empty it out and then go through the um, intelligence scanner, you know, with whatever you had in there?
1: Yeah, so it's, I guess it's pretty much the same. So they uh, you put the stroller to the side, they got these little dots set up, you, you stick it on, the kids hop out, they walk through the intelligence scanner. And, and yes, you still have to take the stuff um, out of the bottom of the stroller so they can look through it. My wife is generally the one that was in charge of the stroller and I had the bag. I don't think that Every, there was a couple times, I guess it was kind of a, your mileage may vary on the security guard. Every once in a while, she had a guard where that she pull something out from the bottom and she, they wanted her to walk through the security scanner holding it. But then, you know, there were other ones where I, I noticed that, the, you know, they just, as long as they could look at it, make sure it was, you know, something flimsy and, you know, not large metal because we generally kept our stroller covers and ponchos and stuff down there. That's all that was down there. But yeah, that, that part of it hasn't changed too much. Got it. All right. Uh, two to go. What's uh Next. Yeah, so the next thing I think uh, to keep in mind is with the shorter park hours and less extras, so, you know, there's no fireworks, uh, special events, dessert parties, that type of thing. I think you want to kind of Pick your lodging with that in mind. So I guess what I mean by that is that you're most likely going to spend maybe more time back at the room than you would sort of in, in normal times, quote unquote. And so I guess what that might mean is, okay, well, would a, a larger room, you know, like a villa, like we stayed in, or even an off-site rental home, be something that you might consider? And Then also considering resort amenities, uh, you know, what what the resort pool looks like, since you might be there uh, more days than you would, you know, all these other factors, I think, uh, are important to keep keep in mind for your decision on where you stay.
0: Did you feel like the pools got crowded since, you know, the park closing times were so much more, I guess, set? Like, like after 6 p.m. or something, did the pool seem like super crowded or did it seem pretty normal to you? Or was occupancy low enough that it didn't matter too much?
1: So for us specifically, when we were there in October, the pools were really uncrowded. I, I sometimes wonder if that was... You know, I've heard that the uh, value and moderate resorts are, are more filled up than the deluxe resorts, so to speak. Like where we were staying, and so it, it might have been part of it being an occupancy thing. Part of it might have also been that the um, big clown slide, as we as we talked about, was under construction, and so um, it wasn't wasn't in use. So maybe people weren't as excited about going to the pool. I'm not sure. Um, but <laughs> I have no comment. I have no comment. <laughs> But you know, I was actually a little bit surprised because when we were there in July, like I said, we stayed at the same place. The pools were, I'd say, two or three, four times more crowded. Maybe it was just a factor of the weather. You know, I don't know. But uh, it was it was actually fairly pleasant when we were there, and, and really uncrowded at the pools, so it was nice.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's weird to think about, and it's, it's kind of tough when you only have like one or two data points. But right. Th- all right. So your last tip, I saved my favorite one for last. It's involving snacks, which is important for adults, but even more so when you have kids. So Sam, drop that snack wisdom on us, please.
1: Yeah. So this is one thing as we uh, were going throughout our park days and, and really thinking about things, something that you don't, you I guess I, we never really had to do it um, before sort of in, in normal times. And that's to actually plan for snack time. And so obviously everyone knows with the current rules in place, you can't, uh, you know, have your mask off and being eating and drinking and walking all at the same time. And so that means you've got to, you know, pull off to the side. And, and for us, what that meant is that we can't, you know, while we're riding small world, uh, you know, open up the fruit snacks and, and feed our kids to, to keep them happy, uh, cause you can't, can't do that while you're on rides either. And so you really actually have to think about, okay, well, I've got to you know take some time to actually plan where I'm going to have a snack and when I'm going to have a snack and, and pull off to the side. Um, and so I, I think that's something for, for people to think about and also think about sometimes, you know, where you're going to where you're going to do that at. The other thing that we found that kind of goes along with this is that we always had packed a few uh, carabiner clips that we keep on our backpacks um, and strollers. And this this is what we used to whenever we were pulled off to the side drinking or, or having a snack to hang our masks on so that we didn't have to, you know, shove them in our pocket or set them down or uh, forget where they went. Um, so we, we found those to be super helpful. And so if, if you've got some of those laying around or, or if you've got, you know, five bucks to get some off of uh, Amazon, uh, you know, it might be worth worth having those to, to clip on your backpack and take with you.
0: And did you guys find it tough to find a spot to stop or, you know, was it generally not too bad?
1: No, it's generally not too bad. You know, we were able to always find a place that was, you know, fairly uncrowded to to pull off to the side and and sit down and and eat uh, and and take a drink. You know, one of the places I think, uh, you know, that's a little bit underrated is if you're planning a snack and you're somewhere in the Frontierland area, I'd recommend, uh, you know, doing a a snack over there because one of the things you can do if you're going to kind of plan your snack time is, You know, maybe you you plan to have your snack somewhere around the uh, the parade route, so that you can catch one of the uh, spontaneous new cavalcades as they go by, and so then you kind of kill two birds with one stone there.
0: Yeah, I think that's where they come out, so that's great. All right, well, Sam, thank you so much for those tips. Uh, That was great. You know, we are gonna do a Disney Deciphered Unfiltered for patrons, just talking a little bit more about Sam's trip. Uh, If you're interested, you can check us out on Patreon.com/slash Disney Deciphered, but. As you know, Sam, we end with a Disney do or don't. So actually sneaking in a 10th tip, what is your Disney do or don't for us?
1: I'd say the Disney do is do practice using the mobile order or new table service to go beforehand before you even come to Disney World. So anyone can log into MDE uh, from the comfort of your home and, and practice making a to-go order or a, a mobile order, especially if you're if you weren't one of the people that was already doing that. It's kind of good to get that practice in. And so you can see how to do that and go through the whole process. And as long as you don't hit purchase, uh, you'll be good to go.
0: Yeah. It's funny until they made the boarding group change, you could kind of dummy it a little bit, but you couldn't get the boarding group, but they'll definitely take your money for food that you are uh, 2000 miles away from getting. So, you know, don't hit that purchase (laughs) button. Yeah.
1: It'll be cold by the time you
0: actually uh, are able to get that if you do. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much. It sounded like a great time. And, you know, I really appreciate all your tips. You know, you have a ton of Disney knowledge, you know, we talk offline all the time. So it was great to have you on the podcast. If people have questions for you, if they want to connect with you, you know, where can uh, they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter uh, at sam and then my last name clark but they got to swap that l out for a one evidently there's another sam clark that's
0: more famous than i so sam c1 A R K on twitter he's not more famous he just got to it first <laughs> that's true all right well sam thank you so much for sharing your tips really loved it really love to hear about your trip and yeah can't wait to talk to you again sounds
1: good thanks joe